We are here to record the next podcast. Isn't that exciting? That's, that's quite a pronouncement, Pam Powell. Isn't it? Isn't it? Because we have so many movies to talk about today, don't we? Well, I think that's... Um, and that's just going to be the way it be is the next few weeks. Right. It's that time of year. Well, and, and we didn't even get to all of them that are opening this week. Right. Yeah. I mean, so things are stockpiling real quick, but uh, we will do our best, obviously, to, to cover everything as timely as we can. I guess that would be the best thing to say. That's right. What do you want to start with? I don't know. You start with something. Um, want to start off with an abortion movie? Why not? Go for it. <laughs> uh, this is actually from the Sundance Film Festival from this year. I saw it for the first time um, during the festival, and it is called Call Jane. Um, now, for people who know our history of women's rights and Roe v. Wade, you're going to immediately know that this takes place in Chicago, summer 1968. Lots of other protests going on for lots of different reasons. It was a rather volatile time in our history. Elizabeth Thanks plays Joy Griffin, and Joy is living in a bubble. Yes. She's married. Um, to a lawyer living very, very comfortably. She has a 15-year-old daughter. She lives in the burbs of Chicago. Life is good. And right outside of her little bubble, the protests are going on. People are being beaten by police. It's a really volatile time, as I said before. She is pregnant. Even though she has got a 15-year-old, she now finds herself pregnant. Whoops. And whoopsie-daisy. And uh, unfortunately, this pregnancy is creating a lethal, possibly lethal um, situation for her, cardiomyopathy. Going to the doctor, we learn that the only way that she will not suffer severe consequences and possibly even death from cardiomyopathy is to terminate the pregnancy. Well, let's remember, this is before Roe v. Wade, and it is also 1968. Um, she has to petition the all-male <laughs> hospital board. One of one of the most striking scenes. There are two really striking I, scenes. I, this is one of them. I think it is the most striking scene, and I think it's the one that will resonate with viewers today because yeah. it's just such a reflection of what happened over the summer. It's a, it's a mirror, really. You yeah. know, parallel lines, however mm-hmm. you want to do that, um, of these men deciding for the fate of both this this unborn child as well as the mom. And there is no regard for the mother's yeah. life. Yeah, the, the, None. The callousness of the scene is, is incredible. Isn't it? It's incredible. It's, it's chilling. It's spot on. It really yeah. is. Yeah, and she takes her cookies away. <laughs> <laughs> I did like that. Yeah, it was funny. Yeah, she brings cookies into this meeting with oh, the housewife and... Oh. No. I, I, cookies I was afraid she might like toss it like a flying <laughs> saucer and, and uh, cut their heads off with it. Um, she leaves, obviously very distraught, um, and her husband, a good Catholic church-going man, um, finds that there's really not much they can do. Well, she finds maybe there is something that she can do that is not legal. She goes in for an abortion in a shady part of town. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, Wicker Park people was not an upcoming uh-huh. artsy area. Yeah, I, I loved that. that <laughs> I did that. too. You were in Wicker Park? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I remember when it wasn't good. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. It wasn't. It was like 30 years ago, yeah. 35 years ago, wasn't yeah. it? Okay, I guess I'm getting old. Anyway, um, she can't do it. She just, everything is dark and dingy and she just doesn't feel like this is right for her at this time. And she sees a sign that says, call Jane. So she calls Jane. <laughs> Unbeknownst to her, this is an organization that helps women have a choice. Um, and this is, this is the story. This is her journey of how 
She receives an abortion to save her own life. And what happens with her, the conflict within, and how she changes, her eyes are opened to the world around her, and what's actually happening to women and who are the people making this decision. Um, Elizabeth Banks is wonderful in this. She's, as one of the, the people said, you're wound really tight. Yes, she was really wound tightly, and she really starts to understand who she is and who she wants I, to be. I think it's her best performance. Yeah. I, she's always struck me, struck me as a rather cold performer. And she starts out that way, but then she changes her. I, I really, I'm not a fan of hers, but I was quite taken with her here. I think she did a wonderful job as well. Um, the other thing that I really like about this movie is that it takes us, the, I, I guess she, her character is loosely based on Judith Arcana. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of similarities. It's not completely based on Judith's right, yeah. life, but it is loosely based upon that. Um, I like the fact that we, we're privy to an abortion. And yeah. Yeah. the process under which that took place was, it was tough to watch. It was tough to watch. Uh, and I've seen this in a couple other movies. And, and no matter how you go about doing it, it's, it's incredibly uncomfortable. And it's also, I, I was uncomfortable as well when, when she herself starts to perform them. Right. I kept thinking, my God, you know, if something goes wrong. And, and of course, that's the concern of her husband once he finds out. Right. Um, I really like this movie. I mean, I'm not the demographic for this movie, but I was pretty well sucked in. I think it attempts a bit too much at times and is a little too convenient. I mean, when we get to know the Janes, I think it's really convenient that there's a nun there who can speak up for the Catholics, a black woman there who can speak up for the, the black experience, a woman there who speaks up for rape victims. I mean, all of these issues obviously need to be addressed, but right. I just thought it was a little convenient that these were the mouthpieces for all of these concerns, right. always. Right. Uh, but you can forgive it. Um, you know, we weren't there. We don't know. Maybe there, maybe there were all these people who were represented in that room. Well, yeah, but know? still, it, it, from a storytelling, as a storytelling device, it was just a little too simple. Uh, you know, this movie is not to convince anyone. This, this movie is not. I didn't take this movie as a, a tool to convert people. No. I took this as a cautionary tale. I took this as a warning that when you deny women of this country their basic rights. They will take care of this one way or the other. They will take care of, they will find a way to take care of themselves. And, and I took that as a warning for the election coming up, yeah. hopefully, that this past decision has pissed everyone off enough that this will change. Well, that's it, interesting that you say that you feel like you're not the right demographic for this film. What is the demographic that you think it's for? Uh, women. Women. Okay. And that's not to say, you know, it's not to say that, you know, I, yeah, women. Okay. I, I beg to differ on that one. I'm thinking that this movie is meant for everybody. This movie is meant to start a conversation no matter what side of the abortion fence you lie. I think it's meant to start a conversation because you're right. It's not, it's not, I don't think it's preachy. I don't think it's saying, you know, abortion, you, you, you have to have the right to choose. I think it's showing both sides of where people come from. And that's Elizabeth Banks' character, mm -hmm. Joy. She's on one side of that fence, and then she hops over very slowly 
Well, actually, she jumps quickly over to the other side, and then she goes back on that fence again and right. looks at it from, from both sides. And I like that. I think that that's where a conversation starts. I think that's where our country has broken down. It, it's all men having this conversation and not, have, not including the women in the conversation to decide for ourselves. Ever tried to convert someone? No, I don't. <laughs> No, but, but let me but know how that goes. But, but conversation and having understanding one another's but, perspectives is an important thing to have. You, That's a basis for a, sure, sure with normal people. <laughs> okay, but I've found that people with issues like this are so entrenched in their beliefs they don't want to hear you. Right. And that's the problem. Well, and then that's not a conversation. Well, right. You know? And that's why if you I mean, don't hear I, one another. I think, unfortunately, movies like this, if they have an agenda, they're speaking to the converted, unfortunately. And as you say, though, you only come to see the other side when it suddenly falls in your lap. Right. When right. suddenly, oh my God, I am in this situation. Well, then maybe you do look at it from a different perspective. You can't help it. But a simple conversation, a what if conversation, yeah. I have found on this and many other subjects, it's, you know, oh, you're wrong. Right. Okay, and, and I, thanks. And I, you, know, you know how I like listening to the Hidden Brain and other mm-hmm. NPR stuff. Mine's but, quite hidden. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, there was one about, you know, how do you, how do you convince somebody? Well, you don't. Uh-uh. You ask them to defend what their position is, to hear what they have to say. And nine times out of ten, they can't give you reasons for their defense, which then makes them question their own rationale. Oh, does it? Well, it should. It should. <laughs> We're in, you know, denial is not just a river in Egypt, as they say. <laughs> it is not. It yeah. is not. And you're right. With the upcoming election, I think this is a very poignant film. To and see. I think that's why it's getting a wider release than a movie like this probably would. I know you were surprised it was Shocked. opening up in Kankakee. Shocked because uh, we are very, very yes. Yeah, yeah. So and it's what we're seeing. So make sure that you yeah get out there and see this yeah. one. I like this one. All right, let's go to something uplifting called the Good Nurse. Oh, geez, Louise. (laughs) You know, this week was a good week for movies because I I was surprised on many occasions. I was surprised with uh, Call Jane. I was surprised with The Good Nurse. Not as much with this one because, I mean, I like both the people in it, uh, Jessica Chastain and uh, Eddie Redmayne. Um, But I I was surprised by the approach of this. This is based on a, uh, a case of a serial killer named Charlie Cullen played by Eddie Redmayne, and they say that he killed up, killed up to maybe 400 people in his role as a nurse, uh, doing this on the sly, messing with meds, injecting things that shouldn't be injected into patients, and, and killing them over a course of many years. Uh, this, though, is about how he is caught, and it focuses on his friendship with this woman named Alice Logren, played by Chastain, and that's what I like about the film. It's not a recreation of the crimes. It's not a, oh, how do we catch this guy? Although that is part of it. Sure. Uh, The focus is their friendship. Right. And, you know, she's got a bad way. She's a a single mom uh, raising two kids. She works the night shift. And I love, we had an interview with uh, Miss Chastain and Mr. Redmayne, as well as the director. And Jessica shared with us that the reason that Amy worked the night shift is that uh, she said she didn't want her kids to feel she wanted her kids to feel as though she had a stay they had a stay at home mother, and that's the kind of woman this is. And uh, not only that, but she also was dealing with a heart condition. She can't get fired because her insurance hasn't kicked in because yeah, you know she lives in America and only happens to work in a hospital. Why should she have health care right <laughs> off the fucking bat? And that's another issue. <clears throat> so she can't get fired. She's got four mo- months to go for a one year anniversary. Charlie takes her, uh, an interest in her, starts slipping her meds, 
They become friends. Everything seems fine until he's accused of murder. And suddenly her whole perspective obviously shifts. And that's what I really thought was interesting about this, her perspective mm-hmm. and how everything just kind of, you know, I, I tried putting myself in, in her shoes and like, you know, someone that I trust and know and everything. And then I'm suddenly told, oh, yeah, yeah, he kills people. What would you do? Yeah. I mean, how would you react? I, I you know, this is a, a test of moral integrity. Oh, completely. Um, and she, she, oh, Truly a hero. Truly. I, I don't know that I would have the courage to do what she did. Yeah, because she ends up bringing this guy in. And I thought it was also fascinating. As I said, the friendship's the focus, but still we do have this whole procedural of the two detectives trying to run this down. And uh, the, the roadblocks they get right. are, are amazing because each hospital this guy's worked for won't cooperate because they don't want to report it. They don't want to be seen as liable. They don't want, you know, they, yeah. this guy has just been passed along, just resign. After Nine they, hospitals. After they figure out what he's doing, he resigns. And, of course, no one checks on references, or if they do, his previous place of employment probably isn't going to say anything for fear of being sued. Right. Yeah, over 400 people this it's, guy was able to kill. You know, you know, before we concluded this, let's go ahead, and I'd like to run the whole interview with um, both Eddie Redmayne and Jessica Chastain. Let's take a listen to that. Uh, thank you both so much for joining us on WCIA TV to talk about The Good Nurse. Wow. Blown away by performances and the story. Chuck, I'm going to let you start the questions. Yeah, this is just such a gripping film. I, I know you both met the subject, Amy Logren. In speaking to her, was there anything she shared with either of you that helped you with your performances? She really helped me. Um... Of course, I had read The Good Nurse by Charles Graber, and we went to nursing school, Eddie and I, and, you know, I did all the research that was, like, the dry technical stuff. And then talking to her, she helped me in terms of, like, what did it feel like when, you know, her BPMs, her heartbeats were going too fast, and what would she do to try to bring it down, and what did it feel like, all of that stuff. But I also asked her, why did you work at it night as a night nurse? And she said, I didn't want my, I wanted my girls to think that they had a stay-at-home mom. And that was like, oh, so beautiful because she was a single mom. She spends her, she's awake all night taking care of others. She's home. um, She sleeps for a little bit while her kids are at school and then she's doing laundry and going grocery shopping and do whatever. There's never any time that she's taking care of herself. And that really kind of was the way into the character from the way I looked physically to my energy. It was all about the sense of like uh, not really having much energy left to rely on. And Eddie, um, this is, I think, maybe a little out of the box or a little different type of character than you've portrayed before. Yeah. Um, You bring such humility and humanity to someone who has done some pretty heinous things. Mm. How do you create that character? How do you intrinsically connect to someone like that and give us such an incredible performance? Oh, thank you. Well, the the interesting thing is similarly to what to Jess, it was Amy Lochran, the real Amy, who was gave me the greatest insight, um, which was that he was two different human beings. There was this close friend of hers who saved her life, who was kind, was gentle, was a quite brilliant um, and fastidious nurse, and then she met a serial killer twice. And this was a different human being who was arrogant and narcissistic. And um, and 
what was hearing that from her because we had read about you know his he'd had an incredibly traumatic upbringing and various things which I'd sort of tried to read about and embed somewhere but that was the insight and this film is is Amy's story it's it's this uh, and and it's from her point of view as it were so it was just really allowed Jess and I to invest in that friendship and the truth of that without ever playing serial killer you know if Tobias wanted to observe things and find things then he could but it was about me making sure that that was real because that's what Amy told me you know it, it is chilling to know that there is really no reason behind this he never provides a reason behind this but you said in an interview that he was staggeringly damaged. Do you have any indication as to what happened to him? Do either of you? So he, um, his father died in his first year. Um, he was the youngest son in a big family. One of his elder siblings' partners abused him when he was seven years old, and he tried to kill that person with a chemistry set, and then tried to kill himself when that failed with a lighter fluid. Um, age 15 he was very close with his mother and his mother died in a car crash and he was the first one to the hospital and they had lost her body and he when they found the body it was unkempt and um, he then went and joined the Navy he managed to pass all the psychiatric tests to get in and work on submarines and he was only fired from the Navy where he was found stood some people say dressed as a nurse, which he had no nursing background at that point, with his fingers over the Poseidon missiles on the submarine, and he was then expelled. He then went back to the hospital that his mum had died at to train to be a nurse. And so, so there was, for me, the fact that it was that same hospital, that his, his fury at the way his mother had been treated, mixed with all of this trauma. None of that, by the way, forgives what he did, which was ugly. But, but the fact that the system allowed someone who was so broken and damaged anywhere near vulnerable people is one of the big question marks, you know, around the film. I wish that we had more time to what? talk. Um, incredible performances. Great story. Thank you both so much for bringing this to us. We thank you. Thank you. Thank you so thank much, you. you guys. Nice to see you. Really insightful. Yeah, you know, and that was one of those where I wish we'd had more time. Uh, our time was so limited. Yeah. And I think we were just scratching the surface. And I, I could tell, I think you picked up on this as well, how enthused they were about the project. Oh, absolutely. And I loved um, Eddie Redmayne's discussion about how much information he had about yeah. Charlie Cullen. Yeah. Um, really, really enlightening. And the fact that they both went to nursing school for, I don't know how long, but a smidge right. of time to allow them to, I never questioned whether or not they were nurses. Never, mm -hmm. not one one minute. And it was really cool to learn too that all of the extras in the hospital uh -huh. scenes, they were truly mm -hmm. medical professionals. Yeah, and, you know, and, and the moment I can't shake from this film is when the cops finally confront him and ask him why. Jesus. <laughs> what a moment. Isn't it? What a moment. Yeah. And that's, yeah. You know, monster movies, the hell with those. This yeah. is that's a terrifying. Yeah. And, and you know, we're, we get into this time of year and we think about all the different um, films that are going to be up for Oscar and nominations for Best Actor and Actress. Um, I, I would be shocked if these two didn't get some sort of a nomination. I fear it's going to be overlooked, but I hope not, because you're right. I did. They're great. Oh, and Eddie Redmayne has never taken on a role like this before. No. And, no. and, you know, just a couple of times do we see a glimmer of who the killer Charlie Cullen is. Right. 
But I bet if we go back and watch it again, I, I bet there. Okay, there are little clues. I'm sure he put, puts in little things all along the way. Not that I not saw. Not really. No, okay. not that I saw. Um, I don't think they. I think that would have cheapened it, and mm-hmm. I don't think that that happened. I watched it the other night with my daughter, mm-hmm. and no, she was. She was, and she hates movies. My daughter hates movies. Yeah, my, She'll my watch wife. series, yeah. but she won't watch a movie. Yeah. And she was glued to the screen. You know, didn't even bring the phone out more than once. So it was pretty good. Yeah. So, and we should mention that this is on Netflix. Yes, streaming on Netflix, Netflix now. And let's hope that it does get some praise at the end of the year. It, uh, this one really, really stuck with me. Yeah. And take a look at our Facebook page mm-hmm. and YouTube, and you can see Tobias Lindholm, who is the director of the film. Um, incredible director as well. So check that out. Yep. Yep. What else we got? Can we chat a little bit about um, Black Adam? <laughs> Just a little. Because we didn't, we didn't do our podcast last week. We, we had issues. We had you know, issues last week, Chuck. You know, you know, yeah, yeah, I know. I've got the issue, <laughs> my broken ankle issue. Um, I know you don't like superhero movies. My wife doesn't like horror movies. And when there's a, a crappy horror movie or a crappy superhero movie, then it makes it hard for me to defend them. <laughs> And Black Adam, you are not helping my cause in any way, shape, or form. What a turd this film was. Jesus. Okay, so I I went to go see it. And and you're right, I am prejudiced against the superhero movie genre. I try to go in with an open mind, but let's face it, how open can you really be when you just don't like that genre? You Mm -hmm. know, I do try, though. Um, and boy, did I hate it. I thought it was just atrocious. And I went with my friend Kristen, and she was like, and she loves superhero movies. Mm-hmm. And she hated it. I'm like, okay, maybe I'm not off base here. Let's call Chuck, because he's on his way home from the movie, too. And you hated it. Mm-hmm. I was like, Let's see, it's I'm not, not off base. I don't think it's even cracked 40% on Rotten Tomatoes. Really? So, so yeah, we're not in the... Uh, minority at all it just it it falls victim and again dc dc get your fucking shit together please warner brothers god damn it (laughs) you've got these incredible characters you've got all these stories that have been written over the course of 70 80 years just adapt a comic book story that's good please please (laughs) Uh, so many wasted opportunities here oh uh, opportunity number one Dwayne the rock johnson they mm-hmm. totally wasted him. Yeah. Complete waste. I could have been there. My dog Louie could have been there. The problem is is that he always makes fun of himself a little bit in all of his roles. Mm-hmm. He's having a good time. Yeah. I wasn't here. No, he did not have a good time at it all. It is a one note. I'm pissed off at the world. Let performance. me That's all you. it is. Yeah, and that was <laughs> yeah. a problem. And also, and you don't understand this, but, and I hope I'm not mansplaining. Maybe I'm comic book explaining. <laughs> okay. But the Justice Society, yeah. those four characters in the Justice, they have such a rich history. Such a rich, intriguing background. I mean, some tragic stuff happens right. to these characters. And you need to know this stuff to understand what makes them tick. We don't get any of that yeah. at all. They're just there to get their ass kicked again and again. again. It's just nothing but mindless action. And, and I didn't understand, okay, earmuffs if you don't want to hear this, I didn't understand the ending. Why? Why did, yes? This is supposed to be a soft restart to all the DC Comics movies. So that is why. That is a that is a, an indication as to where they're headed and who's back. Okay, well, it didn't make because any sense. Because there was, uh, he was not going to do it anymore. It was Wormwood for a long time. Warner Brothers did not want him back in that role. So now he is back, 
And so, uh, yeah, they're going to build everything around him oh, and oh, The Rock. Oh, I'm not even talking about that. Oh, ending. what are you talking about? I'm talking about the fact that Black Adam, or Black, what was his actual name? Adam Theus Teth- or Tethamon. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Teth, Teth Adam. Um, I feel like I'm lisping a little bit. A little bit. Um, it, he, he fought with all the other characters from this movie to protect all the people. Uh-huh. And then at the very end, and Weller comes, is that her name, Weller? Waller, yeah. Waller, Waller, Waller mm-hmm. comes on and she says, if you leave here, I'm going to send right. everybody after you. But wait, you guys were just all working together here. Did you miss that memo that your team yeah, got together? And they weren't working. And that was, they did. Yeah, but you know, an, an uneasy alliance. Okay, well, I she, thought it was she, way too strong, but, too heavy-handed. But she knows that they can't contain him, so basically that's her threat. Stay here. She's got, you know, and then she plays the one card she has there at the end with Soup showing up. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. The other thing that I really don't understand, and you can go ahead, mansplain, commasplain, whatever splain you can, about Shazam. Mm-hmm. Levi, what's his name? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Zachary, Zachary Levi. Levi. Oh mm-hmm. my God, I loved Shazam. You know I loved Shazam. Okay. I, I clapped at the end of Shazam. That's because it also had adopted kids in it. Um, <laughs> it did, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, that was right in your real house. The only superhero movie you really like. Oh, adoption. That's the thing you love. So, so Black Adam is to Shazam what the Joker is to Batman. He's always been his main villain. Okay? Shazam, the, uh. the god Shazam created Black Adam before Captain Marvel. And like in this movie, he realizes, oh shit, we've made a mistake. So in an effort to rectify this, he then creates Captain Marvel to counter him. Okay, so so the persona of the Zachary Levi... Captain Marvel, Billy Batson. ...is not the same thing as our Johnson, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Shazam? Yeah, yeah. Shazam, Shazam is the god. Okay. Shazam is the god with the big beard, and he is the guy who gives them the powers. Okay. So yeah, yeah. The, he makes both of these characters. He makes Shazam and Shazam. So Shazam has a twin Black brother. Adam and Captain Marvel. But he's got the Shazam outfit on, and he gets called to life with Shazam. I'm so confused. Well, you were not paying attention because Shazam is an acronym for all the different gods that they have powers oh, of. Oh, I do remember that. And then uh, this one, it was all the Egyptian Middle Eastern gods that make up the S-H-A-Z-A-M. Okay. Then in, with Thank Billy you. Batson, it was the Greek gods. Gotcha. Solomon, Hercules, Atlas, Mercury, Achilles, and uh, mm. Zeus. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you. I, you want me to make you a chart? Yeah. I'll make you a chart. Would okay. you do that for sure. me? Yeah. All right. Yeah, All right. So yeah. the next time that we have to review one of these superhero movies on the air, mm-hmm. I want you to pull out your little three-boarded little... It's going to be more than three boards. Okay. All right. yeah. you, I, I, want, I want it. I want to see it. All right. I'll do what <laughs> fact, I can. You know, when you're preparing some of your lessons, I want you to do the QR codes for all the super... That should be your next genre. Superhero. Okay. Do you see? Or, or what's the other one? Marvel? I'm just kidding. I knew that. Yeah. <laughs> On to a movie that did surprise me. Yes. My Policeman. Ah, yes, yes. When, 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 you know, what, do you, what did you think about that one? You know what? I really liked it. Me too. Um, I was, I didn't know what to expect. Um, I, go ahead. It, it's funny. I looked at, Rot, at Rotten Tomatoes. It's at about 47%. I don't understand that. And Rex Reed, who I have no use for, but I was looking at his review, and he had a great pull quote. He said, go ahead and read a bad review 
for my policeman, and then go see it and discover what a great movie it is. I'm uh, like, damn it, you got it, man. Okay, yeah, yeah. Great, great performances. I mm-hmm. mean, we've got, um, what's his name? Harry Styles. Harry Styles. <laughs> what's his name? <laughs> yeah, who's its face? Who's its face? The most popular there? pop star in the world right <laughs> now. Yeah, I don't name? even know yeah, what he's yeah, saying. You're not, I didn't, I didn't not, know he was a singer. You're not impressed with him, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I am not. <laughs> um, but it's it's all about the time in London um, in the 1950s, 50s, late 50s, 50s mm-hmm. where it was truly illegal to be gay. Mm-hmm. And how he met this girl, and he really did love her, but not in the kind of way that a husband and a wife yeah, love one another. She wants to be loved, yeah, Marion. Right. And and Marion, um, oh my goodness, it's, it, you you meet the older version of this couple, right. and you, you go back in time and meet the younger version. I just thought it was a beautiful portrayal of what love and intimacy are, mm-hmm. and when you're not allowed to be who you are. What happens to you inside? Yeah, that that love triangle oh. <laughs> that, that that forms between um, Tom, mm-hmm. who is the Harry Styles character, uh, Marion, played by Emma Corrin. She's from the the uh, the Crown. Okay, I didn't. She see played that. Uh, Diana. Okay. Yeah, and and then a guy I wasn't familiar with, a guy named David Dawson, is Patrick, yeah. and yeah. and Patrick and Tom they have this relationship, and, and then they don't tell. Marion, and you know, recipe for disaster there. But yeah, you're right. Then we, but first we see the older versions of them. We're not quite sure what's going on, and that's that's one of the things I liked about the film: the whole flashback structure. Yeah. We see this awkwardness between these three older people. You don't know what's happening, and you then, don't know the relationship. Yeah, either. what is happening? Yeah, what's going like, who on is this here? This old man is that his, her her father? No, right. He's had a stroke. No. She drags him in to the house to take care of him. The her other guy doesn't want anything to do yeah. with him. And then we get these wonderful flashbacks, beautifully shot, by the way. It was. Flashbacks and, and the production values. Um, yeah, really felt as though though you were there back in the late fifties in this relationship that develops through these two men, and and then of course the, the the constraints that are put on them. Yeah. And the tragedy that unfolds that that lasts all their lives. Yeah. Well, and and you know what the the per, you know we talked about perspective mm-hmm. um, of the films, and this one really is Marion's. Story, yes. I think. Which I don't think, given the title, My Policeman, mm-hmm. I don't think that really leads to us thinking this could be her story, but it, it is. And that I thought was deceptive too, because you don't realize that at the beginning. Right. And as it develops, you realize, oh my God, this is about her. Yeah. Really. Yeah. yeah. Uh, two big surprises. Yeah. I mean, one that I kind of predicted, but then when it was revealed, like, son of a bitch. Yeah. That's what I thought. Which just adds to the tragedy. Right, right. Um, yeah, and another thing, uh, Styles is getting, I think, unfairly criticized. Uh, he's no Olivier. I mean, you know, but the guy's he just a bidding. He was fine in Don't Worry Darling. He's fine here. Yeah. He doesn't embarrass himself. And man, no. he takes chances that other established actors, they wouldn't do this. Right, right. They wouldn't touch this role for anything. No, I, I, so I think. So hats off a, to him. I think every single actor in this did a fine job. And t- remind me of the woman's name who played the older version of Marion. Oh, yeah. Uh, her name is uh, Gina McGee, and she's a veteran English actress. I looked her up, and I'm like, oh, yeah, she was in that and that and that. She's really good. She's great. I mean, she's got a very reserved, very British, mm, very much <laughs> reserved attitude. And But man, the subtleties in her performance mm-hmm. just really. Yeah, it, it allowed you to feel everything. That All she's that feeling. stuff she's keeping. In. Oh, and and to to look at her life and say, did I waste my life? Oh God, yeah, yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Oh. And Linus Roach and Rupert Everett are the older versions of the two yeah, men. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This one floored me. Yeah. I, I, agree. I wasn't expecting much, and even my wife stuck to the end. Really. And she doesn't like you know, 
maybe she looked at this as maybe an avant-garde Hallmark film. I don't know. <laughs> and that's what she stuck with it. So, uh, but yeah, I was. She watched Bros yet? <laughs> no, no. Well, she did mention about the sex scenes in here. Yeah. And she's like, my God. I said, well, yeah, but <laughs> Bros is even worse. Um, so yeah, this one is in theaters now, some theaters now. And then it uh, premieres on Amazon Prime next Friday. Uh, the fourth. Very good. Uh, take a chance, and I was, like I say, genuinely surprised. Very good. That's cool. There's another movie coming out, um, I believe, this this Friday. Uh, Louis Armstrong, Black and Blues. Mm-hmm. I have an interview coming up on Friday with the filmmaker. I am a huge Louis Armstrong fan, but I realized I didn't know as much about Louis as I should have. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can check out our reviews and interviews on our Facebook page as well as our website, realtalkwithchuckandpam.com. A lot coming down the pike, and we will cover it all. So, yeah, stick with us. Hope, uh, hope to uh, hear from you soon.